Hello and welcome, or ciao e benvenuto. I'm Seb Lozier with part one of an Italian special this weekend. On Sunday, we will look ahead to all that the Nito ATP finals have to offer in Turin. But first, it is to Milan and the next-gen ATP finals, where eight of the finest under-21 players in the world have been battling it out this week. And after five days of action, it was America's Brandon Nakashima taking on Czech Jerzy Lehechka in the final. Brandon Nakashima is magnificent in Milan. He becomes the 2022 Intesa San Paolo next-gen ATP finals champion. Finishes the week unbeaten as well. Just got better and better as the event went on. Adds his name to an elite list of players who have won this event since its inception back in 2017. And it's going to be fascinating to watch his progression over the next 12 months to see if he can scale the same heights as those that have won this trophy in the past. Another straight sets win for the American Nakashima, the champion in Milan. Brandon, congratulations. Undefeated here and winner of Next Gen. Just give us an assessment of the, what you're feeling right now, this moment for you. Yeah, I'm super happy right now. Um, you know, it was a great tournament this whole week. And, um, you know, again, in this final, another tough match. Um, you know, just a few points here and there. It could have gone either way. But, uh, but I'm happy with my level today. And, you know, I couldn't think of a better way to finish off the year. And you had played him, of course, Wednesday. Much tougher conditions today playing him. He played a lot better. But those pressure moments, you handled so well, those big moments down a couple set points in the second set. What were you saying to yourself in those big moments? Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be in a final. So, uh, so you know, there's going to be some t pressure moments. Uh, there's definitely some nerves coming out in the beginning. But uh, I'm happy that, you know, I was able to, to turn around quickly, you know, find my game and, um, you know, close it out in the end. And of course, the first American to win this event. Congratulations. What does that feel like for you and for back home in the United States? Yeah, it feels amazing. Um, you know, being an American, being able to come here and play in Milan, um, you know, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. So, uh, so I'm happy, you know, to take it back to the U.S. And, um, you know, I'm going to go home now and enjoy some time off. And I wanted to mention, of course, you ran over to your team, have a new team behind you. Huge moment for them. Just describe how they've supported you, what they meant to you in this moment. Yeah, you know, they mean everything to me. Um, you know, together we've had such a great year. Um, I think I think we worked well together this whole time. And, uh, you know, we're still we're still getting to know one another. It's still early, but uh, I'm happy where we're at right now. And, and I'm sure we're going to, you know, enjoy this one and then focus on the new year. Congratulations once again to Brandon Nakashima on going unbeaten all week. And the American is in very good hands. His coach, Eduardo Infantino, has previously worked with David Nalbandian, Juan Martin Del Potro, Jim Courier and Marcos Bagdatis. And he's confident Nakashima can build on his top 50 ranking in 2023. We go in step by step. Yes. At this moment. Uh, everything is, uh, is building. I think he, he will be ready... He will start in, starting to be ready maybe in the second part of the next year. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think he's still 21. So his best moment will be for sure around 20, in two years. 
So as far as what, like maturing physically or everything, everything? tennis and everything. Okay. His best moment will really starting to be in there. In two years. Yeah. Okay. To keep going with continuity in every surface, to get him better physically, to get better him in his uh, emotional control no, or everything. His game needs to be better because he needs to be more aggressive, have more options to be uh, not predictable in his game. That's so important. This is um, good because I was just going to ask you what your vision was for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My vision is uh, the same vision like uh, maybe Sampras have. Uh, don't be predictable, nothing. So you have many, you need to develop many options and learn many options from the baseline for the attacking in the net and many options, serve volley, defensive system. So technically in the way how you're moving, how you defense, how you're attacking, you need to repeat and get the habit to control every part of the mm. of the of the of, yeah. of the court. I think his game is still he need to be at least seventy percent more offensive. Okay. On the net. Seventy percent yeah. at least. So that's my my idea about his tennis in, in, in the future for him. It's interesting watching the men's game because it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. But there comes a point where you're watching and it's so good that yeah. you can't imagine it getting better. But it probably will. Always, always. Will where be do you see the men's game going from here? With Considering how strong it already yeah, is. Yeah, it's unbelievable. How it's still is getting better and better. It's difficult. It's difficult to say. But, of course, if you compare with another sport... No, who are maybe even more, even in advance at the tennis. You can watch basketball, you can watch soccer. No, and then tactic is everything. So you need to always look for new kind of strategies for play better or make the other play worse. Mm -hmm. No, in some ways. Yeah. No, if you have one player who like to play a lot with a lot of rim, you need to develop one game, one game to don't hit, don't give too much rim. Mm -hmm. So that's when you need to be, have big, big serve, some winners, play with the scores, don't play during all the match in the same way, mm -hmm. mixing the right time, and that's is continuity like Alassin mm -hmm. having this moment, yeah. like Rune having this moment like Alcaraz having these moments. So all this, like Musetti having this moment, like Berrettini, many year, many year with the same coach, like Sinner did with Piatti, mm -hmm. okay? Who, who did amazing job with him. Right. So it's, it's continuity, year working with Tinity. The team need to get, the team need to get uh, humble. Yep. No? And also... I feel like a lot of them are becoming humble. Yes. Or, I mean, I don't necessarily think they weren't before, but uh, that's what I've heard a lot of them say recently, yeah, to stay yeah. humble. So to stay humble, to stay humble. And Why does that help so much? Because that's, is, uh, you need to always listen in every sport. It's not just in, 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 in tennis. That's something like coming with the top sports. Tennis have the disadvantage. You don't need to uh, play against the, 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 the watch, no? with chronometer right. situation, but uh, that's very, and it's, n it's never you you need to stop, like, and like you know, like Roger or like mm -hmm. everyone. Now it's easy because we have internet, everybody knows everything, but also the biggest coach 
or the older coach and some moment they don't have uh, enough energy to travel too much mm-hmm. and the young coach need to be involved with the old coaches to 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 mix all the information together mm-hmm. so uh, the result of this of the continuity of the project to be humble for the player and to have good strategies regarding the physical condition the recovery and everything is the something like mix to to keep going and the, the result is now all these players who come into next gen and you follow the last two three edition maybe if you need to resume re, have their how you say in English resume no resume resume is continuity it, it's it's more difficult too I would say in this day and age with social media yeah. and everything yeah. that comes involved with it like yeah. what what do you talk with players about dealing with all that attention and being able to kind of put that aside to be able to focus honestly uh, um, I have now this experience with uh, with Brandon who is too focused okay. it's nice <laughs> That's so, a good problem. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I think it's okay now for him in this moment. But also, you have the commitment with your team, and the relationship is longer. Like one of the maybe the best example in the last year was Alcaraz and Sinner. No, now Alasin, but Alcaraz and Sinner, because uh, Alcaraz is coming for one project, like Ferrero and Ferrero with his a coach. So mm-hmm. this, they build amazing example for for everyone. Unbelievable. Yeah. So you have example like this. You don't need to go to Novak or to Roger or to or to or to Nadal to to watch this. Even 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 Murray. Okay. So now it's more simple because you need to follow what the other did. Mm. No, and it's continuity. Be humble. Listen. Uh, listen. The advice. Uh, it's nothing to or follow what you did. No, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's simple. It's simple. It's not too complex. Yeah. It's, yes. It's more, everything is simple. So it wasn't quite to be for Yerzy Lehechka, but he told Jill Krabus a little earlier in the tournament how he's been on an upward curve ever since winning his first challenger title in Finland last year. I proved to myself and to my team and to people around me that. I can really play a good tennis, you know, because it was an easy week there. Uh, in the final, I was uh, losing in, in, in the deciding set, you know, so I managed to, to come back and I really showed to everyone that, uh, and to me mostly, that I can play this game, I can really be the good players. And it was always like uh, my dream to, to win on the, not on the highest level, of course, it was my dream, but I won at the Challenger Tour, so it was like a good step up. To, to my next journey and uh, yeah, it was important moment in my tennis career for sure. Learning from that and being able to take away something to progress, obviously you've done that by reaching this elite eight. From that moment, what else has, ha- has you felt like that you've really done a good job in progressing and getting better? Getting better? Yeah, honestly, I mean, uh, this year has been like all about experience, you know, for me because it was my first year being in top 100, you know, and to being able to compete with the best players in the world, you know. Super happy that I had a chance to compete in all four Grand Slams, to be able to play some good, very good matches on the ATP Tour. And uh, of course, uh, I mean, uh, the Challenger Tour was still part of my journey this year. I played final in Mauthausen, then I won on the, uh, in front of my home crowd, close to my home in Liberec Challenger, you know, 
there is a few moments which I pretty like on this season and of course in the same time there is uh, many downs you know this season where I didn't show my best you know and where I just uh, uh, didn't play the best tennis I could you know but of course as I say this is the part of the journey and I think that uh, this year has been as I said before mostly about the uh, about, uh, experience for me. You've handled those pressure moments well, and I want to touch on the fact that you got to top 100. Congratulations, that's a huge step. It's a really nice feeling when you finally make that mark. Can you talk a little bit about that feeling of being able to break through that top 100? It's a huge step. Yeah, yeah honestly, I mean, for me, this feeling came with the best moment it, it can, you know. After winning a match, then uh, it was in Rotterdam in the beginning uh, of this year. I was playing a quarter-final match against Lorenzo Musetti and uh, I won 7-5 in third set and uh, after that moment I had absolutely no clue and the guy who was doing an interview with me, he just said, yeah, so you broke, broke into the top 100 and I was like, oh my, oh my God, I was speechless at that time, you know, because for me as a young kid, you know, this has been always my big dream, you know, to compete on the highest level, to be in the top 100, you know, and then suddenly at one moment, he just said it to me, you know, as it's a reality and I was really shocked at the moment and very proud and very, very happy at the moment. And that rise up the rankings has been managed by his coach of four years, Mikkel Navratil. I recognise him before, I see the power, power, the stamina and of course as a nice person because he was always the guy who came and who was respectful you know and say hello how are you and even if you was giving him in the young age some tips he was listening you you saw it already there is a something it can be it can be huge many coaches are talking about this now not just as a tennis player but as the whole person being important do you work on that as far as not only obviously his tennis on court but off-court work as well as far as developing the human? Yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree. I fully agree now. For me, first priority is, is, is the heart, as, as Kobe Bryant said. I mean, rest in peace, but, but the mostly important is the heart, right? And of course, the respect and to be kind and uh, work hard and all, all these things. So I, I, I saw it in him. I mean, for me, he wasn't super talented guy. He was a really strong, but you know, technique was pretty nice. But he was a little bit like a, I'm saying, I'm joking, like a Woody style. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because of his passion and uh, smartness, he he learned and he's improving, improving, improving. I mean, now we can say before we had some issues with the volley slides and this kind of things, but now he improved and he played pretty pretty nice games. And check out the podcast channel this week for Jill's entire chat with Mikkel Navratil. The man who Brandon Nakashima beat to reach the final was Brit Jack Draper, who teamed up with coach James Trotman just over a year ago. Trotman first coached Draper as a raw youngster at the LTA, as he recalled with Jill Krabus. He was feisty on court, like desperate to win. I mean, you, you could just see it in him. Sometimes that would... That would kind of cloud his judgment. He could be on that emotional roller coaster one minute, you know, pumping fists, the next smashing rackets. But his 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 competitive instinct and desire to, to find a way to, to try and get through the match was incredibly impressive. He was small and didn't grow mm-hmm. actually until pretty late on. So he was he was a small guy, feisty on the court, you know, counter punching, using his skills, and obviously that's part of the challenge now for him as well he's six foot four he's 
bit of a beast, you know. It's, it's, he's using some of those skills, but also trying to impose himself physically more with his power on some of his opponents now. You mentioned physically. Um, he's mentioned that's something that he feels like he had to work on quite a bit in order to take that next step, mm-hmm. especially in the preseason last year, mm-hmm. which you were involved in. What was, I mean, I guess going about phys- physically, because everyone's getting stronger, what is it about, or what approach would you have taken to get him to that next stage to be stronger? The first thing with Jack, for, for anybody or people that don't know necessarily about his journey, is he was, he was a really good junior. Um, saying he was just practicing with there, beat him in the final of junior Wimbledon, so that there were two guys who, who sort of played a lot together coming up. So there's a lot of promise, um, a lot of talent there. However, the next few years that sort of followed that, he's had a lot of injury mm-hmm. problems. Obviously, COVID came along the year before. I think, you know, maybe one of the years he played six tournaments, another he played 12. So he wasn't getting any consistency with his training, any consistency with his competition. So the biggest thing we actually started to look at was his workloads, um, trying to monitor that really closely and make sure that we were, we were being smart in how we trained him. And the, the goal was, let's play 25 tournaments, you know, next year. And it was as simple as that, because if you stay fit, you stay healthy, you can, you know, the work gets through the body, you're not having those stop-start moments. And really, that was, it was as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Let's keep him on the court, let's keep him healthy. You mentioned a significant period in his time, I think, with the injuries and the pandemic. He had mentioned, I believe, that, you know, he was struggling and whether to continue to yep. play is that correct he, he I think like a lot of people through that you know time he, he was he was questioning perhaps what was happening and it, it's not easy when you're you're kind of you're living this life right where everything is to be a professional tennis player you know I think all of these these guys that's what they dream of playing at Wimbledon playing the US Open and being one of the best players on tour and when if you feel like you're constantly being it's a setback, you know, however hard you try, you have to push harder to come back, you push harder, you get knocked down again. I think it's incredibly difficult, you know, to deal with. So, so not only from a physical perspective, it was really important, right, from the well-being and, and from his mental health, but yeah, let's give him a chance yeah. to fulfill his dreams and, and kind of become the player that he wants to be. It's interesting, I've talked to a few coaches this week so far, and They've all mentioned the same thing that you just mentioned as far as it's not that easy, this lifestyle. How, how do you as a coach kind of get into the mentality of the player to get them through sort of week in, week out, year after year to be able to handle, you know, it's a tough road. I think the people that you have around you is incredibly important. You know, we, we're all each other's support network, right? The coaches... And the players, physios, trainers, whoever this might be, everybody's making huge sacrifices to what is a very fortunate lifestyle, right? To play professional sport, it's fantastic, but it's not without its challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think you need people around you that you can share those experiences with, you can open up to, right? When you are having those low moments and you're not feeling um, at your best and you want to go home and you want to do this. So, so being able to share that with people you trust, I think people who understand you, um, is incredibly important, probably the first kind of big thing that you'd look to do. And what do, you, what do you talk about in those moments, those challenging moments, to get them in the right space? I think reflection's always good. You know, it's, it's sometimes just resetting them and asking them, do you remember where we were, like, you know, that's even used it today with Jack. Do you remember where we were a year ago? Mm-hmm. He's 300 in the world. He's, right. he's coming back from injury again. 
he's, he's playing some challenges, he's, he's struggling, you know? And, and just trying to give a bit of perspective that it's okay. This is a journey, you're going to have your ups and downs, there's going to be your, your highs and your lows, but let's stay consistent with how we work, let's stay consistent with our values, let's not be too reactive week in, week out to, to results and things like that. And, you know, I think them knowing that you're in it with them is incredibly important and, and showing how committed you are to, to, to their tennis and to your profession as a coach. Yeah. You mentioned his rapid rise. Obviously, I mean, he's done. He's had a phenomenal year. Yeah. What What's been the biggest thing for him to be able to? I mean, he's had an incredible last couple of months in particular. It, it's weird, and it's something you reflect on as a coach a little bit. I mean, my goal purely when we started working together just over 12 months ago, there was two things for me. One was to keep him fit, healthy, and happy. That's where it started. And number two was to give him the tools to try to, to by the end of this year to be able to play top 100 tennis whether he was ranked 150 200 40 odd wherever he is now it was sort of irrelevant for me it was to give him the level and to try and get his game in a place where he can play on tour and compete with the best players in the world and you know it, it's it's happened you know it was top 100 possible for sure but to, to you know to be finishing the year top 50 is pretty incredible and and um you know there's so much more in there from the first brit to qualify for the next gen atp finals to the first swiss after winning the roland garros junior title in 2020 and two challenger titles this year the future looks very bright for dominic stricker after my success in paris uh, everything went went pretty pretty quick i had my uh, my success in lugano winning my first challenger with a wild card something uh, very special for me and then uh, yeah everything went went fast you know I had some some struggle but then I I had a very good start start of this year with Australia my first Grand Slam and then uh, I went to US played final at one challenger won another one so it was a good start to the year and then also to win to win another one in in Switzerland in Zug was something something very special for me and Super happy how that year's going and yeah, happy to be here. So when you get that first challenger, how much confidence does that bring you just to continue forward? A lot, a lot. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, after the juniors, after winning Paris, I really didn't knew where I'm where I am, what's my what's my level really is. And then uh, yeah, after winning the challenger I knew that I that I that I got that level in, in myself and then of course was not easy to bring that level uh, every day, but then I, I started to, to play really good, and then, uh, yeah, the, the ranking raced and raced, and now I'm, I'm here, it's great. Yeah, and it's, of course, being Swiss, it's hard, hard to not talk about how good Swiss tennis is. I'm, I know you've been asked a lot, but you've also got the experience to practice with Federer Warenka, went and hit as a hitting partner in the Nido finals in London. I mean, how exciting was that, and what, what have you learned from those experiences the most? I've learned a lot. Uh, you know, talking to Roger is something something very special. I, I practice with him so many times now. Uh, I've been I've been in Dubai a few times, two times in my life. So to practice with him, that's something yeah, something crazy. He told me some uh, some tips for for myself, and you know, of course, also the the finals were were something very very great great for me to see how these guys are practicing, how they're. Yeah, they're they're still on a, such a high uh, energy level uh, at the end of the year. So uh, yeah, it was it was all, all very great great things in my life. Any tips that you can share? 
Um, yeah, he told me he told me to work on my surf. Uh, okay. That was something he told me pretty pretty many times, and I would say my surf is uh, is pretty good. While Dominic Stricker claimed one Junior Grand Slam title in 2020, Chun Sing Cheng, known as Jason, claimed two back to back in 2018 at Roland Garros and Wimbledon, where he beat Jack Draper in the final. The same year, he also reached the final at the Australian Open Juniors, and since then, his progression has been steady. Earlier this year, he edged inside the world's top 100 for the first time. I was so happy, and, and then because I was working so hard for it, and I have a very, like last year, I was very down in the, like October or September, I was losing four weeks in a row and I have like every match I have match point. And at that, at that moment I was very down and didn't find a way to break through. And after I have, uh, I work with a new coach, with the, the German coach, Benny, and he really helped me a lot and developed me to be better on the tennis court and I have more confidence. So for me, it's, uh, it means a lot to break through this stage and hopefully I can make my career better and better. The German coach Cheng referred to is Benjamin Ibrahimzadeh. He's previously worked with Angelique Kerber, Victoria Azarenka, Stefanos Tsitsipas and Alexei Popperin at his academy in Germany and started helping Tseng just over one year ago. I think as a coach you need to understand the person first and I need to, you need to understand uh, how to talk to them, how to approach, um, what is behind their story a little bit like um, because the, the story comes out also in a stress moment and then you need to understand on the other side obviously okay what, what is, how is the game looking like and what, how could be the ideal game of the player look like and then to bring these two aspects together I think this is um, what matters the most. So when you say get to know them um, I just had a discussion with another coach about needing to know what's happening with them personally off court is that something that you feel like is crucial to be able to work with them on court? Yes and no. I did. I did both ways. I had also players. We, we've worked very successful, and I didn't know that much. But um, I think it's easier to have also the understanding sometimes in some situation why things happening and why um, what, what is behind or what, what message does the player give you also with the match. And um, I, I think it's important to have a good relationship and to to really know who do you work with because in the end we have a human relationship and we right. work together, right? What exactly do you mean about they're giving you the message while they're on the court? What do you mean by that? A tennis match is a stress situation. So for sure, when you have now certain situations in your life, this situation can be expressed mm -hmm. by the player in the match. And when you don't know that, then you don't have an understanding for that. And you cannot solve the problem because you don't know the story. Right. And, um, and I think it's important to, to, has, to have as many information as possible to really understand why the player is reacting in different mm. situations, how he is. Yeah. You mentioned the word stress, which brings another question up for me. Are you able to 
Because you really want to try and create stress for the player so they can feel that before they go on match for a match. Is that something that you feel like is possible to do in practice or off court or not in competition? We are, tough. we are trying know, hard. We are trying. Well, I'm always curious about this because yeah. I wonder this myself. Because We're, it would be great if you could recreate it. Yeah, I mean, you do that in practice, obviously. Um, it's not that easy to do it, but um, sometimes you try, obviously, to find situation what could stress the player. Mm -hmm. I have an example. I have a young player, and we we play a game which he doesn't like, <laughs> and we play we play for money. Okay. And we play for 50 euros the game. So something's on the line. Which is already a lot, right? Yeah. For a young player, yep. 50 euros. That's stress. Yeah. That's nothing than just creating stress. Yeah. You know, obviously, as higher the players get, as more tougher it is to get something yeah. uh, to really stress them. But um, yes, we, we coaches try to find situation and practice what could be potential mm. stress for our players. And then watching the the very, very top players, one of the things they do the best is handle those stressful moments and be able to recover very fast. Do you, do you have tips on what you bring to your players about how to handle those big pressure moments? Yeah, I'm, this is a very... Give us your secret. <laughs> that's a very individual question, like, because there I come back to the first question you asked me, and I think... To answer this question, you have to know your player, right? But one thing that they obviously all have in common is that as as more crucial it gets in the match, as more they try to play their tennis and try to take the decision. Okay. So, and for me, the best players in, in the crucial moments, they want to have the things on their table. Mm -hmm. So they want to decide, okay, we, which terms do we play this point? Mm -hmm. And this is actually what what all of them do uh, very good. Yeah, actually, I just, it was Hol Aruna, I think yesterday, just said that specifically in a, a press conference that he wants to be the one that's assertive first. Do you feel like being on the tour for a, a while now as a coach, do you feel like that's where the tennis has gotten stronger and stronger because it's gotten better in the last eight, nine years? I think back in the days, Boris Becker, when, when he had the break point or when he was serving for the match, he exactly knew the same and he, 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 he also played with on his own terms. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this is something really changed. Okay. So, um, for me, this is, a, this is an outstanding off-top players that they really trust, they have the confidence, that they, they know, okay, I'm I going to serve there and there and I, I want to do this and this with the point so um, I don't think that this is something that changed okay so now with the game the way it is now everyone is physically faster stronger more powerful and all of them starting to have more of an all-around game too I've noticed where do you see the game going now because it's hard to imagine it getting any better than it is in my opinion it's so good uh, yeah it's it's fantastic but um, I think that the the goal has to be to play forward, to play aggressive, to to get inside the court, um, to finish at the net, um, trying to be uh, able to take the balls very early. I think that this is going to be just the next step. Uh, mm. I don't, I cannot see the game how it is in 15 years, um, because I think the game changes always, also a little bit with the characters coming mm. on the top. 
and what the young players want to be like, right? And um, but for now, when I see the young guys coming to the top like Alcaraz and all these guys, um, they have a very complete game. They try to make it fast. They try to play forward. They try mm. to take the decision, obviously. Yeah. And how, how great is it to have those young guys like an Alcaraz, Aruna, who's doing so great, be an inspiration for, of course, we're here at Next Gen, be an inspiration for, example, saying who you're working with here? Now with Jason, we're, we're not that far away. I mean, obviously, Alcaraz is number one in the world, but uh, uh, they know each other for many years. They played under 12, under 14, under 16 yeah. together. So it's not that uh, Alcaraz can be an idol for Jason, right? Um, when when you, I think it motivates you in a way mm -hmm. to see. Okay, look, I mean these guys, they already did a step further than me. Okay, I'm top 100 now, and uh, these guys are top 20, top 30, top 10, whatever. Now I think it motivates you, but I don't think that they can be an idol for mm -hmm. you. Otherwise, you cannot beat them anymore. Yeah. And what of the Italians? Home advantage may not quite have worked out for one of the pre-tournament favourites, Lorenzo Musetti, but the champion of Hamburg and Naples this year still enjoyed the experience and all the support. I have a lot of friends, especially uh, our uh, a strict group that, that we call like Allegra Combricola. Uh, and uh, uh, we, are, we are six friends that, uh, you know, we grew up together and we still like uh, uh, live together. And uh, they, they are the, uh, my first fan after, after my family, so. Oh, that's cool. Are these friends from school, school or friends from sports yeah. or? Yeah, from school and, uh, wow. you know, from uh, my hometown, so. You know, we started like this company, let's say, uh, when we were like uh, eight, nine, and now we we are uh, same age, so we are both 20. And, uh, you know, we, we shared a lot of uh, great memories, vacation, holidays together, so we we really enjoy to, to stay together and they uh, they are my uh, my support, you know, for for every day, even in the in the bad days. So that's what it means to yeah. a real friendship. That, that must have been exciting for them to watch as your career has continued to progress. You've had great success, obviously two titles this year, first top five win last week in Paris <laughs> yeah. against Casper That was an amazing achievement. What, what, has, what has been the key to your success and your sudden rise? I think the... You know the the passion to to wait until the the right moment because you know I had uh, some up and down last season and I I went through a tough period even outside the uh, even in my private life and uh, uh, you know running through all of that maybe was the key of becoming what I what I am today and uh, I'm completely a different player from from last year I. I, I grew up a lot inside the court uh, as, a, as a person and as, a, as an athlete, you know. And uh, that uh, helped me a lot on, on the court, especially on, on the last period of the season. I, I achieved a, a lot and uh, I, I didn't expect that. So maybe I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, but even, even more uh, happy and proud of what I'm doing like in the in the last part of the season. Yeah, those challenges, I think people, in the moment it's tough, but 
for you that felt like you it only made you stronger which is that correct yeah, yeah. no it's completely correct i think the only way to uh you know uh to get you know better uh and to discover yourself more is uh, uh by you know getting uh, into these challenges and try to uh you know uh, to win them and uh, that was my case and i completely challenged myself in uh, in tennis and in life so i'm i'm happy that i uh, you know, uh, at the end I was the winner yeah. and I am the winner. Musetti was playing on the next-gen stage for a second time, but Milan was all new for two more homegrown players, Francesco Passaro and first Matteo Arnaldi, who still lives and trains in San Remo. I left uh, like when I'm through three years ago when I went to practice in the Federation Centre, but last year I came back to my hometown because... You know, we travel a lot, and um, when I was when I'm home, I need to stay with my family, with my girlfriend. So I like to practice to practice at home. And since I came back, I started playing very good. So I think it was the right decision. What What are your most probably favorite things you like to do when you're at home? Maybe outside of tennis. I like to Sanremo is like a beach city, so I like to to go to the beach with friends and. To relax, yeah, I go to the beach, to the sea, it's the main thing I do when, when I'm out of ten, like when I don't play, when I don't practice. You mentioned your girlfriend, you said she's, she's from Australia, is that yeah. right? And she's here with you, how nice is it, obviously, to, to play in Italy, but also have that support around you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like crazy that she came here from Australia and she will stay here until December, then uh, I will go there after Christmas for the Southern Open, so... I think uh, it's, it's really nice to have her here, also my family, my coach, my trainer, so everyone is here. Being in Italy for this event, it's such amazing. The last couple of years, you've really risen quickly. Last year at this time, I think you were just inside the top 400. Yeah. And, and now uh, 134. June, it was 900, so... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, inc incredible. What do you feel like you've really done well to have that success? Uh, as I told you before, I came back home. I'm feeling better when I practice and I changed like all my team. I, I, done, I got a new coach, new trainer and uh, I think uh, we started well. <laughs> Last year we played a lot of matches it, in the future so it's not the same but uh, also playing a lot of matches there it's, uh, it's important for, to grow, to that make you grow and Today, this year, I, I didn't start well. I made like seven first round in a row, something like this. And uh, I didn't like indoor court because uh, <laughs> I love uh, clay. Uh, so since April, I started to play on clay. And I, I found again the, the feeling on court. I started again play a lot of matches. And I think um, like from then, it's my season went like up. <laughs> um, I played in Rome, the first Master 1000. Yeah, how was that? So cool. Also, again in Italy, the crowd for me, it's cheering for me. It was, I mean, unbelievable. Like this event, so I cannot describe. Also now that I think was the best moment of of my year. And um, after I played Wimbledon, so first time after Junior on grass. Then New York, I almost got in the main draw. I think uh, I learned to play in every surface and that was the main thing for this year. We are lucky, I think, 
because we have a lot of tournaments in Italy. We have the chance every week to play in Italy. So I think of also the, uh, the I mean, the boom of the Italian players uh, also for for this, no? Uh, so I'm very grateful for with the, also for the, with the federation. He give the chance to us to play a lot of weeks in Italy. So I just wanna say thanks to the, I mean, the federation to the ATP Tour and uh, try to keep positive things from here. Francesco Passaro and before him Matteo Arnaldi, whose fortunes as over 18 players are being closely monitored at the Italian Federation by Mose Navarra. The Italian Federation in, uh, in the past few years started a new project that uh, basically um, allows uh, these, uh, these players to have uh, support and uh, from some figure and uh, these figures are coaches, uh, fitness coach and uh, uh, also psychology support everything what they need and um, so basically I start to work uh, with Francesco on the last July uh, the federation thinks that uh, it's a project that need uh, uh, to be improved not because it didn't have enough but even to give something something more so that's what the Italian Federation is doing now with uh, lots uh, of uh, our young players and uh, I would, see, I would say that uh, the, um, the results are paying out. How many coaches are, would you say are in the federation that start that deal with these projects or start uh, the projects? Right now we are three, four, five. Five, Five okay. coaches and mostly each one of us has uh, between two to three players. Okay. So we are following like around 10, 12 players in this uh, kind of... Uh, projects and uh, plus we have also uh, the, the structure is following also other guys that are below. Mm-hmm. And when you first, it's interesting you use the word project because it is sort of a progression of a player, right? When, when you first noticed, say, when you first noticed talent or whatever it is you notice in a player, as a coach, what are the first things you look for in a player that you feel like could have that progress and success? Of course, all, all these guys, they've been working with the Federation since they are 12, 13. I mean, the Federation is following all the development. So it's a kind of a step-by-step. And then we look and we evaluate the way they work, the way they develop as person, as player, the way they develop their team, because the Federation is encouraging with helping with, the, with money, and, and support uh, to develop, to have your own team. And uh, the center from the federation is open for everyone. So any player in Italy who needs help can go to the Italian Tennis Center that is in Tirrenia. And so it's, it's basically it's a process that, uh, that uh, it's, uh, it's developing through the years. It's not something that happens like this over one year or something like this. So, all these kids, they have been uh, followed year by year since they were 12, 13 years old. It's interesting that you said it doesn't just happen so quickly because it seems like it, it, <laughs> it has happened fast in the last few years, right, with all the Italian players from Sinner and Musetti, Berrettini, Fognini. There's so many. Um, what do you feel like has contributed for having such great 
success on the on the Italian men's tennis? I think, uh, of course, uh, you have to be well organized, uh, and the Italian Federation is really well organized. And then, I think the key uh, has been uh, that uh, the Italian Federation invests a lot in tournaments. In Italy now, it's I would say at least five to six years that we have probably between 25 to 30 challengers plus futures. So basically you can play all year long in Italy. And the Italian Federation owns most of the wildcards. Mm-hmm. So you can project and develop, a develop uh, the, the, the growth of the player. And not just giving one wildcard here and there, but say, okay, we believe in this guy. Okay, let's put him down for five, six, seven, eight tournaments. And that, I think, helps a lot to develop the, the guys, the, their level. They're going to raise uh, uh, the intensity because you can practice how much you want, but then it's the level of the competition that raises uh, um, your capacity to, to stay and to, to become a player. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, I think, has been a key for, from the Italian Tennis Federation to invest a lot in, uh, in the tournaments. It is a fine line because there is an importance to travel as well to get the experience of playing more top players. Where is that line for you? Obviously, having tournaments in Italy has created a lot of opportunities, but where is that line for you to be able to take that jump? Uh, we start from thinking that to be a tennis player, you need to have a level, all right? Our sports, it's a global sports. But if you start from zero and you have to start to go all around the world and play, start to play in qualities and futures, it's not easy. No. And when you have guys that with 15, 16, 17, and you have a chance to let them play main draw in the future mm. and start to develop uh, uh, their tennis and start uh, to make their first, first points where then allows them to go around the world and... Uh, and uh, and play and, and discover that there is, uh, there is a jungle out there, uh, it helps a lot. Yeah. It helps a lot. And the same thing when you start to make the jump between uh, futures to challengers. It's a big help if you can this, have the opportunity to play three, four, five, six challenges main draw. And you have, you have a guarantee that if you, your level is there, you're going to make points, you're going to improve. And, and then when you have in the, the, the ranking that allows you to go around, we are supporting go. Yeah. I mean, go everywhere. Yeah. So. It's interesting because you said the organization of the federation is, is so well done. What is it, is it specifically about how well it's organized that works so well, would you say? Because everybody has his role. And everybody's working together, so we are like a, we are a real team. Uh, there's the, nobody's disjoint from uh, from uh, one another. I mean, we have our head that is uh, Filippo Volandri, is the tennis director. He's also the captain from our team from Davis Cup, and uh, our relationship it's straight between each other and with him. So it's, it's really, it's like, it's like a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody knows what the other coaches or the other department, like the fitness coaches or the psychologist uh, or the, the medical staff, 
uh, are doing. So uh, it's 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 very convenient to communicate and you know to to go forward with the, with all the project. Even we have also sometimes some some problems with some guys, but the important thing is that everybody is aware and we can uh, uh, um, we can face the problems mm-hmm. and help the players mm-hmm. because sometimes uh, I think what what's happening with, the, with with kids they are facing problems and probably there's nobody that is uh, is uh, um, available to hear their pro- problems mm-hmm. the federation is there to hear their problems or to hear the problems of their team, their coaches, even their family sometimes. And that, I think, it's a, it's a big help. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like, a, for now, everything is, is working well. And uh, we are definitely encouraging and try to improve because there is always room yeah. to improve. And if you're an admirer of Italian tennis, check out the podcast channel this week for more from Jill's chat with that man, Mose Navarra. If Navarra keeps things ticking along at the Italian Federation, the ATP's chief tour officer, Ross Hutchings, plays a similar role for the next-gen finals and the sport as a whole. The whole of the tennis world has been always talked about next-gen. So for me, when someone says, what, what type of innovations are you doing this year, when they're starting talking about it in February, March, this could be, this could be Grand Slams, Mars 1000s, media, key sponsors, Intesa San Paolo, who's our brilliant title sponsor, they're fully bought into this event. I mean, they're all asking about what we're going to do this year and who are the next superstars that are going to play. You know, will, how will Carlos Alcaraz do having one last year next year? Will he, will he stay stagnant or will he become the superstar we think he will and he gets the number one in the world in, in the matter of six months? So a lot of people are talking about next gen, next gen, next gen because everyone knows that what it means and what it's trying to identify as its role. So I, th- I think actually the fact it's got a position in the game is very exciting. I think now we're really defining what each position of each event and each initiative that the ATP are trying to do actually holds. Davis Cup is the one men's team competition that we're trying to focus on. The United Cup is a mixed team format of team competitions. Next Gen is innovation and the future stars of the sport. Labour Cup is, we all know Labour Cup is a phenomenal event itself. So, And then we have the 250-500,000s and the Grand Slams being, being absolutely tremendous events and, and working very collaboratively with the WTA in a lot of shared resources and shared company uh, policies and working space now. So I think now we're really trying to define exactly the role of each individual space in tennis and hopefully, fingers crossed, that we're trying to allow people to understand what we're thinking and it can become a bit more of a seamless explanation about the the reasons why we make certain decisions in in a very open and transparent way. One of the key goals for the next-gen ATP finals is to promote the stars of the future and provide a springboard from the challenges to the main tour. I mean, we're working actually pretty closely on different plans for 2023 now about trying to allow younger players to progress through the pathway quicker if you're good enough. And there'll be different metrics of which determines if someone's good enough. And so those guys, and I'm sure on the same same side, those girls on the women's side will be able to pass through. But if you're, if you're a challenger player at the time when you're ranked 400 in the world and you're playing on the challenger circuit a lot of the weeks, you're really trying to reduce expenses and have that good week and try and build momentum because you can progress pretty quickly in those circuits. We're going to have 200 challenger events next year, on average four a week. So if you think you've got 25, 30 opportunities across the whole year to then play well for maybe five to 10 good weeks, still allows you to have bad weeks, which inevitably athletes do. 
But if you can have those good weeks, you can move from 400 to 200 very quickly. And then when you're at 200, you could then play the qualifying of the bigger tournaments. You could get the, the, the qualifying of the Grand Slams. You can play uh, potentially wild cards into big tournaments. And then when you win one or two matches, you can really jump. So it really isn't, isn't um, beyond the realm of belief for a lot of these players. And they can actually see a path as long as there's opportunities. And that we deliver, the ATP delivers a calendar, which means they don't have to travel to different countries, to different surfaces mm-hmm. around the world, and therefore incurring huge expenses, which then restricts players from being able to travel and, and, and play. It's not only about player development, though. The next-gen finals have also been a live lab for testing rule innovations, many of which we now see on tour. With the rules in general, I think in a way COVID has probably fast-tracked some of them. So we were first here in Milan at the, the next-gen ATP finals to trial... Hawkeye Live or electronic line calling. So in the end, when someone, when you when you remove line judges, ultimately, we also were the first to trial the the towel boxes, the shot clocks, the data analytics, where the players and the coaches have iPads with with a lot of in-depth performance data that they can use. Uh, we started coaching here as well. We trialed a few different things with coaching. Back in year one, we had the coaches have headsets and talk to the player on a headset, and then which was a bit clunky so then we actually changed that to becoming um, more of just the one-way dialogue like we have now uh, as as on tour which is a a trial on tour which which we're excited for for next year to continue from the start we've had free free crowd movement again thinking about fan experience we think that sometimes it's very difficult for fans who miss that one changeover because they need the toilet or need to go and get a coffee or get some water you have to then wait 10-15 minutes to get back on the court so here we've always had free crowd movement we have implemented free crowd movement on tour on the higher levels, but we still haven't done it yet on the lower levels. Uh, it's something we could consider expanding more. Another one, actually, which I'm a big fan of, which I really am, uh, would like to try and implement on the tour, is video review. So a little bit like the VAR in other sports, football, yeah. rugby, cricket, and so on. Uh, we've had that at the next gen the last three years. We've had it at ATP Cup, and we've had it at the finals, the, the, the need to ATP finals. So that means that when there is an infringement or a double bounce or uh, something which a player thinks they need a re- replay of that isn't around line calling, you can immediately go to video review and look at it on the big screen. So sometimes in a really big match, in a big tournament, you think someone has not got the ball off the ground without being a double bounce, and someone says, well, I have. It's very difficult mm-hmm. to judge. And So having a replay system is something we've always had here, but it's just about now if and when we implement that on tour, which I'm confident we will at some point. So a lot of those rules have been accepted and, and there's, a, there's a clear alignment between the Grand Slams, the tour and the ATP now and the ITF about trying to have consistent rules in place for the sport. Before it was very much the ATP, the WTA and the Grand Slams actually had different rules. But now across a lot of things, uh, we're trying to find a consistent approach with regards to how we implement rules, which is a real positive, I think. And there's more innovation planned for the future. We missed out on one this year, one that I was very keen on, um, is player wearables. So actually players wearing um, devices either around their chest or around their wrists to then manage a lot of information of what's happening biometrically in their body. Uh, we were keen on, we actually did it two years ago, but only with heart rates. And we were implementing it this year, but unfortunately we had to drop it at the last seconds. Just we couldn't get it over the line. Definitely something we're looking at to do on tour. Definitely something we're looking at doing at Next Gen in the future but hopefully we'll even look at it for tour-related matters in future as well because not only can it help the players understand what's actually happening in their body because a lot of them use it for training, practice, uh, physical training, but then also when they're in the match court, they would like to compare 
what happens in practice versus what happens in a match. Yeah. It, it should be something we do, but we're working extensively with various different companies to understand the challenges around it and also what we need to do to put it in place and to make sure that all players have the right type of information and accurate information because a lot of the information that comes from these devices is not real-time. It's delayed and, and it doesn't actually show a, a natural reflection. And in time, we'd like to show it also to the broadcast and to the world to show how phenomenal these athletes are and, and to actually show some insightful information uh, which, which could maybe bring more fans to the sport and, under, and, and allow them to understand it better. Thanks as ever to Ross Hutchings and to all our guests in Milan this week. Jill Krabus and her microphone are now safely packed away and travel on to Turin for more exclusive content from the season's grand finale. And you won't have to wait long for our next podcast. On Sunday, we have another looking ahead to the Nito ATP finals and all that Turin has to offer in the company of the players and some of the coaches. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow. <laughs>